the way we've designed our streets doesn't prioritize active transportation. It really prioritizes cars and the results are deadly. If there were like really systems thinking, you could spend less in healthcare costs by creating free transit because the health benefit would be huge of having less cars on the road. I was just at the farmer's market and we we just did in the downtown and we posted little signs saying you don't have to press the bag button anymore. Oh, wow. So can you tell me about that and the technology of it? I'm <laughs> sorry, I don't actually, I mean, we, we control all of the lights and so... Um, basically we get to determine what the cycles are and how often they change. And we even have a dynamic system where we can, um, we can look at what's happening in intersections uh, remotely and actually change the light sequencing if we want. We have priority for our buses too. So if they're running late, we can prioritize the light for the buses. And so, um, uh, all it's just a, the technology is just a question of changing the cycle and and making the walk signal go on automatically and i think also what we're doing is shortening the light cycles so cars have to stop more which is good because people are speeding right now and so the reason that you're doing this is so that just simply people won't be touching the button and risking uh, infecting themselves yeah and, and the larger conversation that I had with our public works department was, you know, our light cycles shouldn't be like they are normally, right? There's a lot more pedestrian activity, and so pedestrians need to be prioritized also. So this is a, an example of something that maybe should have been done anyway. Yeah. Did you say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can say that absolutely. And how many other cities that you that you know of are do also doing this? Huh? I haven't really done a study of it. I've just seen things on Twitter, basically, <laughs> what other cities are doing. Locally, I, I have no idea. Later this week, we're going to have a West Side Cities Council of Governments uh, meeting. Uh, so with uh, that Santa Monica, Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, and then the West Side portions of LA and LA County. Um, and I will ask them. That'll be on Thursday, right before your show. So I'll I'll get to see what they uh, what they say if they're doing the same thing. What we're looking for are kind of low cost solutions because um, you know all cities are going to be taking or are taking a huge financial hit right now. So I think if the the caution is around making sure we're not. Um, overdoing it in terms of staff capacity and, and cost. So the, that's, those are our constraints. And so are there costs? What are the costs to, to the things that you're doing? There's, so uh, automating the pedestrian signals, that's, that's free. That, yeah, that's not a big deal. That's, that's staff time um, from, from my understanding. I mean, I didn't hear any pushback from staff saying like, oh, this is, you know, going to take too much time or something like that. So that, that seemed to be uh, fairly simple. Have you seen what the effect is? Is there data? Are there studies on when you automate, like how much time is saved by pedestrians or anything? 
I have no idea. We just implemented it. Uh, all I can say is as a pedestrian, it's great because you don't feel like you're a second class citizen because you chose to walk you know, or you had to walk. And uh, it, it definitely creates a different environment and, and more safety for sure. So, um, you know, every time I go to DC, I come back from DC and talk to my public works director about how long the cycle is for pedestrians to cross the street in Washington DC compared to here. And it, the culture is so different and you know, you get what, 15 seconds if you're lucky <laughs> to cross a major thoroughfare. Whereas there, you know, the, and they have the countdown pedestrian signals too. And it's going to be like, you know, they, they give you five times <laughs> the amount of time to cross there. And it, it's like you, you, you definitely feel it in your own experience navigating the street and so yeah, I, I think, you know, hopefully, hopefully there will be some silver, silver linings and there will be some permanent uh, changes that, that we know need to have happened already. One effect is that I've noticed you only get a, the white you can walk hand or figure if you press the button, mm -hmm. even though it's green for the car going right. the same direction. Yeah. And not every city does it that way and not every intersection is designed the same way. Um, some, some are automatic and some are not, um, but, but they should all, you know, they should, they should be automatic and pedestrians should have longer to cross. I mean, it's just, I mean, our, the way we've designed our streets is doesn't prioritize active transportation. It really prioritizes cars and, and <laughs> the results are deadly. So, you know, hopefully this is a wake up, wake up call um, that things don't have to be that way. And it, and, it, and it should outlive the crisis. It should. I mean, will it? <laughs> I, I will push for it too. <laughs> I'm on Twitter a lot. You know, it's easy to feel like, you know, you're just ready to win. You know, this is it. This is our time. We're gonna right. all the, we're gonna just close off the city and make it like uh, Amsterdam or the Netherlands, you know, or some bike-friendly city. I don't have people who don't agree with that on my Twitter feed. Right. <laughs> they exist, though. <laughs> they definitely exist. Um, thank you for taking time out. And is there other stuff we should be aware of? Right now we're talking about the beg button because our co-host Don Ward identified that as one winnable thing that yeah. we should really be focusing on. Um, is there anything else like that? Something that during this time we can push forward with that maybe we could keep? Well, there's another one that we did a couple weeks ago, which is, um, and, and this is also for like safety reasons. Our buses are all free and it's all boarding through the back door. Folks have been calling for all door boarding. And here we are boarding from the back, not charging anything for buses. Again, this is for health reasons. So you're avoiding contact so the driver can not get sick. 
Um, but I know free transit is something we've all been talking about a lot and uh, in terms of having more ridership and more accessibility for, for riders. Um, and here we are in this crisis, that's what we've got. Can we sustain it? You know, that's another big question, but I think it's, you know, little by little, we're proving some models here and, and hopefully some of them will stick. What's the COVID reason for the free uh, transit? So you wanna, you wanna um, have the most amount of space between people. And so if you're paying your fare, you know, handing over money to the driver, that can be a source of contact that we want to avoid. And so to eliminate that contact, you don't charge. So you don't have that transaction whatsoever. I know that at Metro, the CEO, Phil Washington, has said that he wants Metro to be free. Yeah. And that would be paid for, he said, with congestion pricing. Right. Um, so, I mean, it was already in the works and... I mean, I don't know. Do you think that you can keep the buses free? We'd need to find a, a revenue source, which could be if, you know, they were, if the politics were possible, it could be the federal government. I mean, already the, the major, uh, the majority of uh, transit is subsidized because it's a service, right? Like, um, so the the fare box revenue is just a fraction of what it costs to run any transit system. And so if you could just, and I forget the percentage in Culver City, maybe it's, I think it's probably less than 30% of the revenue stream. Um, so, uh, you know, if you could just find a way to uh subsidize that remaining percent then you could have free transit i mean what if it, i mean if you if there were like really systems thinking you could spend less in healthcare costs by creating free transit because the health benefit would be huge of having less cars on the road right um but but we're we're siloed you know, and, and, and it, it's not, you know, it's just kind of not the culture that we have in the United States to, to be thinking like that. It hasn't been. And do you think that this is going to be our, our shock doctrine or is that what it's called? Shock? Naomi Klein, shock something, shock. Doctrine. Yeah, shock doctrine. I, mean, I don't know. Gonna... I mean, it it could go, it could go. You know, historically, the shock doctrine, right, is that um, in income, the people to take away regulations, right, and who want to dismantle any kind of remaining protections that we have. The plastics industry is trying to use this uh, crisis to overturn bag bans throughout the country, plastic bag bans. You know, they're trying to come in and say, oh, don't give us these regulations. Obviously the Trump administration is trying to, you know, take away any air pollution standards and, you know, backpedal on whatever they can. Um, even Governor Newsom 
has been um, had a moratorium on fracking and during the crisis has given permits for fracking, whereas he had stopped doing that. Um, and so, yeah, we see a lot of these bad things. And um, I, it, I guess it's really up to us to make sure that, you know, we, we get some, we get good things that we push back and we insist on having a recovery that is meaningful and good for us, you know, <laughs> and, and not harmful and just makes everything worse than it was before. And that, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the political fight of our lives right now. You're saying we should just really focus on not being driven in the other direction. Yeah, kind of. absolutely. If you're infusing a ton of money into infrastructure, which is what the federal government is doing, it should be the good stuff, right? If, if you're going to um, build broadband, right? Build out broadband infrastructure for the United States, which is one of the things they're talking about. You know, you should do it with that is, you know, that that's based on equity. So people, you're not just giving it all away to the private market so that they can continue to make, you know, insane amount of money, but you should make sure that you have like an equity lens and that you're um, providing free, high quality broadband to everybody without, uh, you know, financial discrimination and by, you know, doing it high quality, low cost, like they have basically in every other country in the world. I mean, it's crazy. You go to France, you go to Korea, you go to anywhere else. And it's like, their techno the technology has been there forever. Um, but our market system has screwed everything up for everybody. And, you know, it's the, ugh. It, it's really disappointing. Well, but this is also about broadband, too, because of the schools now. Yep, absolutely. I don't know. It just seems to me, I mean, I know I'm in a bubble. I'm, I, don't, I don't even wonder if I'm in a bubble. But I, it seems to me that for some reason, everything that we wanted to do suddenly seems to make a lot more sense. And I don't know why that is the case. Yeah. I mean, I mean broadband, public transportation, open streets. I I don't know what else, but probably incarceration. Right, you know, like decarceration. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. I mean, the 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 John Oliver term for this is uh, catastrophunity. <laughs> That's great. I did not know that. I didn't hear that term, catastrophunity. I got to watch more John Oliver. That's right. I mean, it's been a while. It's been several years, but I, uh, I remembered that one because it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> it is. Um, all right. So, so we're going to get a universal broadband. We're going to get decarceration. We're going to get the open streets. We're going to get the free transportation. Anything else? Well, the air quality. My goodness. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. it, water infrastructure. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, okay. Eviction well, yeah. moratorium. I mean, we should always have that too. You know. It's just like a whole new world. Yeah. <laughs> um, full of death and you know 
really horrible things. But uh, yeah. If you're somebody who's affected by this, who's lost somebody, um, then yeah, I would imagine it's not, you don't want to hear somebody talking about silver linings. No, and, and we've got to, and, and again, from the equity perspective, you know, the people who are the most vulnerable are suffering the most yet again in this health crisis. Um, the effects are very lopsided. Um, and so it, it's, just, I mean, it, it, the current crisis just really shows in even starker terms, the inequities that we already had. And, mm -hmm. you know, the health disparities, the, the racism in our healthcare system, like all of those things, um, they're made even worse in this crisis. Um, and, you know, people are dying alone right now. That's, that's what this crisis is. People are dying alone. Um, so yeah, we, we, there, there's no way to gloss this over. Um, but I agree, you know, when, when there are, when there are sil silver linings and things we want to hold on to, um, we should definitely do that, but we can't ignore um, the, the real suffering and the economic catastrophe. Um, you know, this is, this is more than recession. This is depression that's coming. And, you know, the other fight, the other political fight is to, you know, resist the austerity model that we've seen play out so many times and which all governments are going to be faced with, local governments for sure, because we can't print money. Um, we, we need to pare back our budget big time. And so we're going to enter um, this world of very hard choices. Um, and it's up to, you know, the people who live here to make sure that we're not disinvesting in the things that actually make our lives better. Um, because uh, that's what tends to happen every time. Uh, but we know better. And uh, we've got to, you know, it, it, this, is, this is an important time for the community organizers. A really key time. Yeah. So hold our ground. Yeah. But, but uh, move forward where, when we can. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, Great Depression led to Social Security and all that. Yeah. Yeah, the New Deal, the Works Progress Administration, you know, all of that. But it could be, you know, based on stupid crony capitalism, or it could be real good stuff, <laughs> you know? And that, that takes political, that, that takes organizing. It takes movement building. Okay, and you're doing it. Well, I'm, I'm trying from what I can, what I can do on my level. Absolutely. Thank you so much again for coming on and um, it's been great. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. 
If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 